Hello and welcome back to the Waco Trip Super Syntex Friday Night Lights podcast featuring sports editor Bryce Cherry and myself, Chad Conan. Bryce, uh, that title gets longer every week, doesn't it? It does. Uh, I, I, I a few more words to it. I suspect huh? it'll change names a few more times before the season. I, I wonder. I wonder. It's, it also like just a way for me to shamelessly say the Republic of I could throw the Republic of Football in there. <laughs> you know, TF uh, tried to steal my my uh, title name for a, a podcast. I don't know if that still exists. They didn't steal it. They asked my permission, and and my editors told me that uh, I don't have the the rights to those five words anywhere, four words anyway. So. Well, there you go. A little bit of yep. uh, behind the scenes stuff there. Uh, last year we had Max Olson of the athletic on our one true podcast. Mm-hmm. Afterwards he, uh, he got back to us and was like, guys, I'm sorry. I did not know that was the name of y'all's podcast. We just started a big 12 podcast tr- called one true pod. <laughs> So we were like, eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, sooner or later you're gonna have like podcast gangs, you know, fighting over podcast naming turf, I suppose. Yeah, let's talk about well, nothing like football. starting way off the rails. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Let's bring it back into some uh, actual football. Um, the Chilton Pirates I wrote about uh, for Sunday's paper have, have been really impressive so far this season. They beat Italy by a point after losing by like 40 to Italy last year. Then they play uh, 2A D1 ranked Norman G last week and just beat the crud out of them, 37-0. So my question to you then, Bryce, is if they're the bar, is anybody over the bar? And and it's either, you know, the impressive bar or the surprising bar. I'd say they are among – among the most impressive and most surprising teams, but mm-hmm. are they the most impressive? No. Are they the most surprising? No. Uh, and that's because to me, more impressive right now are Martin Livo, who yeah. look like they're going to win their respective divisions. Um, certainly we know all about the Mark Panthers and what they've done in recent years and, you know, a, a, basically a loss, uh, an upset loss away from potentially going for five in a row right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. As for Live Oak, I think they're clearly the class of their uh, TAPS six-man um, division this year and, and looking like a, a prohibitive state championship favorite. Um, that that went over Blum to me was was eye opening because Blum's got, you know, a team that went to the, uh, you know, how far did they go? One AD one championship game last year and one at the year before. I want to say state semifinals last year. Okay, that's right. Lost okay. lost to May uh, okay. in that shootout game. It was like ninety two to eighty six or something something insane. Um, which I'm saying for regular football, sort of like, you know, yeah, that's sad, but you talk to any six man coach and they'll tell you the importance of defense. And and one thing that Cooper Thornhill, uh, when I talked to him leading into the live Oak game, uh, that's Blum's coach. He said they spent basically the entire off season on 
defense. He said, we're not going to lose like that again. I mean, I, I vowed to myself. Uh, and then as far as more surprising teams, this might be debatable to you. We'll see. I, I feel like Riesel is more surprising, and here's why I say that. Um, breaking in a new coach, uh, you know, and, the, and they come out of the gates with wins over Marlin and Hamilton, uh, not world-beating programs, but, uh, but certainly um, games that Riesel – you know, might have lost in the past. Um, obviously, last week, you know, they get a game canceled because of uh, of COVID issues. To me, the big test for for Riesel this week is you know it is this week against Bosqueville. Um, that's a that's that's a step up in competition from what they've played so far. But like I said, they just I didn't see that coming out of Riesel with. A fairly late transition to a new head coach. Um, I just, you know, I, I didn't see that on the map for the Indians. But all that said, back to Chilton. You're absolutely right that uh, the wins they have are, are are legit wins. I mean, you know, you mentioned what they did last year against Italy. And then not just to, to beat Norman G., but to shut them out, you know? And I think one of the things that made uh, those Chilton teams of like the late 2000s, you know, so Mm -hmm. special, obviously they had playmakers and I think they were all named Landrum, Um, (laughs) you know, they could zip here, zip there, and, and they could score in a hurry. But they shut teams down with their defense and mm-hmm. um, and Chris James, I mean, when he played at Chilton at the turn of the century, I mean, he was an excellent linebacker, one of the best around here. And I'm sure that's where he's wanted to get this program, you know, is, is mm-hmm. that kind of level of, of defense. That's something that honestly is overlooked at Mart a lot of times, just how, how good their defense how, is. Yeah, how much of a shutdown defense there is, just because they can put up so many points that you you tend to just overlook the, the defense. And so uh you're absolutely right. That that win over Normandy is eye-opening. And and you know, the Pirates should be a team to watch. Um, you hit it on it in your column. Can they compete with Mart in that district? You know, we'll see. That's that's the big question. Yeah, I was texting with uh, one of the TV guys uh, in town this week, and uh, I was throwing out the idea that maybe Chris James should have been the David Campbell's Texas Football Coach of the Week in 2A. Hmm. Uh, as it was, it was uh, Ruben Torres and Marlin, and I mean he's done a he's done a good job in keeping that thing on on track. You know, well, and they, I think a, a lot of times, uh, you know, and maybe I, I just mentioned it with Riesel, we, uh, we tend to be more impressed with the new guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. Because, um, you know, they're, they're the ones that are changing things, you know. Right, right, right. They're trying to establish, you know, a culture in a hurry, and that's hard to do. Um, but, uh, you know, when in this text message conversation – it was actually, it was Jack and Jack said, Hey, uh, you know, Chilton might go nine and one. He was like, yeah, they probably will go nine and one. 
and they have the potential to go at 12 and two, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and you're sitting there mentioning the one or the two talking about Mart. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, and there's no shame in being second best to Mart, but uh, that is the gap. I think that if you're talking about the bar, (laughs) let's always start Mm, the bar at Mart. Right. So, yeah, I think that game is October 8th. So you do where I'll, I'll want to be that night. No doubt. No doubt. Um, that'll be a district game. Another district uh, starts this week, 11-6A. At the theoretical top of that district, I don't even know if it's even theoretical. It's just the way it is. It's Duncanville plays DeSoto to start district play. Locally, Wake, Ohio hosts Mansfield. Midway hosts Waxahachie. Now, <laughs> you know what's crazy? Week five of the season is the last Friday night in September. I mean, isn't that weird? You have 11 week regular season, almost half of it's done by the end of September. Yeah. It's always that way, but it's always feels strange. Well, it does. And it, it, it always seems to fly by. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, it doesn't take long for you to get basically into the thick of district play and, start playing meaningful football games. And, mm-hmm. and here we've got but, it. Uh, so September 17th is a make or break week for the Lions and Panthers. <sighs> yes, for Midway, no, for Waco High. And here's why I say that. Uh, I, I, th- I, don't, I don't think Waco High at this stage of the game, Lyndon Helts first year, um, is a legitimate playoff contender. Um, I, I think, you know, we've talked about it before, but hopefully the uh, attendance numbers break in Waco High's favor and and this next realignment come February, they're able to, to dip that back down to 5A. I think that would help the Lions. Um, that doesn't always mean, it, you know, generate automatic success by any means, but – uh, you know, Johnny Tusa always used to say, I'd rather be the big fish in the small pond than the, you know, vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, Waco High, uh, one of the things that Lyndon Hilt talked about in an interview I did with him this summer was just, I want to say he called it um, basically progress, progressional improvement throughout the year. Um, you know, you want to see your team getting better, improving. And, you know, I just don't feel like they're, they're going to be competing for a playoff spot this year. Um, as for Midway, you know, that's something that Shane Anderson has, and I'm sure they have it on Lake Ohio's goal board too, but uh, I think Midway is closer to making the playoffs. And, and when I say that, I'm talking about maybe that fourth place spot. Um, and so, yes, I do feel like, this right now this week feels like the most winnable game thus far for for the Midway Panthers uh, that's mm-hmm. not not to take anything away from Waxahachie but uh, they've you know Midway started out with a, a, a good round rock team and then played a yeah they're in the top 25 and 6A now yeah played a good Permian team after that that went to the playoffs last year uh, played a South Grand Prairie team that that's where Lyndon Help came from, correct? Uh, and I think they led their district last year in fewest points allowed. Um, and 
and you saw that last week. It was a little bit more of a a defensive game, you know, the midway game. And, and you, you also saw midway make some strides defensively after really just bleeding points the first two weeks. So uh, I, I like the Panthers in this game. I am hearing some reports that they're dealing with some injuries. Um, that's out of uh, my household. I have, <laughs> I have one in the midway program. Uh, and so they've got a, a few guys banged up, including uh, sounds like Junior Thornton, who, you know, Central Texas is leading receiver. Um, I think Dom Hill is a little banged up as well. So talking about two of your top playmakers right there, that's a little concerning for Midway. We'll talk to Shane Anderson. I'm supposed to talk to him this week, and I'll find out maybe what the status of those guys are. Well, um you know, when you look at – you mentioned Waxahachie, and I just pulled up their their schedule results. They hadn't scored more than 28 points in a game. Uh, they're 2-1 and one with wins over Rowlett and Lamar. They lost last week by a point to Ennis in overtime, but they don't look like a, an offensive juggernaut, um, which, you know, that might uh, – I'm not going to say it favors midway, but if you look up and Waxahachie is scoring 45 points a game, you're thinking, uh, uh this is going to be trouble. Um, yeah, and but, one, one thing Midway has shown an ability to do, at least they did in those first two games, was score some points. Right, right. Well, I think I think maybe in the South Grand Prairie game, if they could have you know gotten out of their own way, mistakes wise on offense more, uh, that they you know had a chance to win that game. Like it was there for them. Stated goal to you know have a shot at making the playoffs, be in the postseason. Um, it's going to be real hard if they don't win on Friday, and they need. Um, you know, they, they need to find a way to create some positive momentum. And if they're missing, you know, in particular, Junior Thornton, if they're not, if they're missing him, uh, and that's, they're going to have to find some guys. They're going to have to start using some guys they hadn't been using, maybe. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, within that Midway program, I mean, I do feel like you still have the capability of finding some playmakers or, or guy, you know, guys that are good, but, you have guys that are good, then you have guys like Junior Thornton who are, you know, really, really good. So. Right, right, right. Well, and and uh, to for a new coaching staff to take over in June, and we'll probably, as much as we talk about Midway, we'll probably continue to talk about this, but for a new coaching staff to take over in June and get all the pieces in place to compete with the kind of teams on their schedule is a really difficult task. It is. Uh, and, I, you know, I think I've said it, on a variety of podcasts over the years, I, I feel like uh, when you bring in a new coaching staff, you can't, you can't judge them on that first season, um, mm. you know, and especially like you said, if they're, they're taking over as late as they are, you didn't get to go through spring drills with these guys. You didn't, you know, you're still learning who you have, you know, and, and who's the playmakers. And um, so all of that takes time. So, uh, I, th- I feel like we're all but obligated to talk about La Vega Argyle this week. It's it's one of the big matchups on our schedule these days. I don't know. It feels, feels like they've played the, a dozen times since I've been back at the trip, you know, on staff <laughs> since 2019. Uh, but, um, you know, on paper, this one doesn't look as, you know, Clash of the Titansy as some of the past ones have. Um, maybe because, you know, La Vega's coming off a loss and Argyle's 3-0 and number one. But uh, what's – I mean, the appeal's still there, right? 
Oh, absolutely. It's still the game of the week. Uh, and let's face it, these these two programs have been, you know, the class of class 4A uh, for, for several years now. Um, they've staged a lot of good games. They've, they've met in the regular season. They've met in the playoffs. It's become, to me, La Vega's biggest non-district rival. I mean, couldn't you say mm-hmm. that? You know, they, they seem to play them every year. I think Don Hyde appreciates stretching his team with, with uh, you know, high-quality opponents. We saw La Vega last year. I mean, they played Murderer's Row in non-district, you know. I mean, it was just one top-10 team after another. Now they're getting back-to-back top-10 teams. They played Austin LBJ last week, and and that was a rough loss for La Vega. Um, I'm not sure, you know, obviously they looked like, you know, they looked unbelievable the first couple weeks, but those those opponents were were overmatched, uh, you know. It was uh, Katie Jordan and then Bishop Dunn. Uh, LBJ was on another level. They made the state semifinals last year. So maybe that exposes some things for La Vega. I certainly, even though I think you know you can clearly uh, pinpoint Argyle as the favorite in this matchup this week, I, I don't think La Vega is a team to be trifled with, <laughs> a team to be overlooked. You know, uh, they're going to, they're going to, you know, examine that film from the LBJ game. They're going to, they're going to see where they need to get better. Um, They've still got some horses over there. Uh, They're known for playing tough, rugged, physical defense. They're known for running the ball. That was, uh, you know, that did not go well last week. Uh, They had, they did basically did nothing in the second half offensively. And so they've got to figure out some things there, but, you know that that Hyde and Leroy Coleman and those guys will will uh, you know pinpoint some of those things in practice this week that they need to you know improve on. Okay, yeah, but here's the thing: the regular season game between these two teams, and I think what three years in a row they played in the regular season and the postseason, mm. or at least two years in a row. I'd have to go and back Ar- and look, but yeah, and Argyle's had the upper hand in the regular season game. It's when they get to the postseason, and you know, you've got 12, 14 weeks of, t- uh, of, of coaching kids up, and you get into that playoff football thing. And La Vega is, is the tougher team at that point in the season, and they've won the important one. Now you get another regular season game, and Argyle is flying, baby. They scored 45 points against Nolan Catholic. 62 points on Pleasant Grove, and last week they beat Salina 23 nothing. So I'll be out there covering it, and every minute that it's still a competitive game, I'll just be okay, good. Yeah, uh, like like I said, Argyle is the favorite and should be. I mean, mm-hmm. and and may very well win, um, and that won't surprise us. And they might win by, you know, more than one score. Uh, let's just put it like that. Uh, that said, what I was getting at with the adjustment thing, first of all, I think Don Hyde has done a very smart thing. And, um, I mean, everyone tries to surround themselves with with excellent coaches. Uh, Don Hyde really did it at La Vega. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, 
And I don't remember who said it. Maybe he, he did. But uh, I've heard at least one of our local coaches say how important it is to have a head coach, a former head coach on your, on your coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Well, Hyde has that in, in Leroy Coleman, who coached, you know, at, to a lot of success, especially comparatively speaking to what university is going through more in the 21st century. Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, Mike Cadell had some good teams at Axtell. So Mike uh, tried to retire <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I saw him recently and, and uh, I said, yeah, how's the roofing business going? He said, ah, it's going fine. I said, you're not, you're not coaching anymore. Oh, well, no, Hyde pulled me back in, you know, <laughs> he said, just come out for practice. I mean, both he and Leroy Coleman have a pretty sweet gig. They don't have to teach. They just come out and coach and then they leave and, you know, but uh, yeah. And then another guy, I mean, that I feel like has head coach written all over him someday is Jermaine Carpenter, who, mm-hmm. you know, is a very uh, sharp guy, a former La Vega guy. Uh, an excellent college player and handles all of their recruiting. Um, and we've seen what La Vega has been able to do on signing day the last several years. Right. Right. Which one do you think does better Al Pacino impression though? Cadell or, or Leroy Coleman? Every time I think I'm out, they keep pulling me back in. <laughs> okay. I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little bit of a foul for reaching but uh <laughs> and you need to work on your pacino <laughs> uh it's I, if i was doing my favorite pacino line I, w- I could do it a lot better but it's not fit for family audiences let's just say hoorah, hoorah. <laughs> <laughs> uh best of the rest i noticed china springs playing land passes this week uh, that Erstwhile would have been a good game. I'm not sure where Lampass is at, is at at the minute. Um, what else do you see out there? Yeah, isn't uh, – what was his name? Was, was it Ace Whitehead? I think he's – is he gone now from Lampasas? I feel like he is. I feel like he's graduated. Um, to me, a very interesting game is West at Rogers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am uh, – I should have mentioned West earlier when we're talking about impressive teams i feel like Mm -hmm. they're off Mm -hmm. to a a thoroughly impressive start and and you know they've got a chance i think to go at least to thanksgiving if not you know a little bit deeper um but this is a this is a legit test this week i feel like at rogers um rogers always uh i feel like they're well coached they've got um you know, they've got some talent. They, they've uh, certainly shown the ability to score points this year. Uh, put up 48 last week against Whitney in a road win at Whitney. Um, so, I mean, if, if David Woodard's team can go into Rogers and, and, you know, get to four and Oh, I think that's a good win for West. Um, another game. We talked a little bit about it earlier. Bosqueville Riesel, I feel like is a, is an interesting game. Um, Bosqueville probably has more talent, but again, I feel like Riesel has, has sort of surprised me. And so it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, I think feel like Bosqueville will be the measuring stick for just to see how much Riesel has improved. Even a loss 
that they keep close, I think would show a lot of progress for Riesel. And then, uh, you know, I don't know why this game feels kind of interesting to me, but Gatesville and Hillsboro, um, you know, a couple of coaches who are trying to build those programs up. Um, and, you know, I think Luke's, Luke Howard's team is making – progress obviously you saw them last week against Lorena uh and then you know coach Almute at Hillsboro's in his first year but those are two 4A programs in our area they're uh, you know a little bit outside of Waco but um I think both of them have potential and you know whichever one wins this game you know it's something to build on yeah, I think, and I think Hillsboro, Hillsboro has looked, maybe it's because they're really good about sending us their stats, but they've looked good to me, uh, you know, for a couple of years now. So we'll see if they can break out. Now, you mentioned West, you mentioned Marina's big win over Gatesville the other night. Might we be lucky enough to have a later round playoff game between West and Marina? Oh, man, that would be fun for sure. Um, that's fun in a lot of different sports. I've seen them play volleyball and uh, basketball, you know, and then uh, both of them do really well on the diamond. I mean, we we know what mm-hmm. West did with under Corey Beckham, what they do in softball. You know, they won state with Gila Smith, mm-hmm. you know, there and um, and Lorena's, you know, Lorena's got a pretty good reputation in both baseball and softball too. So uh, I, I feel like that would be a really fun matchup between you know, two good guys, David Woodard, Ray Biles, good coaches. Um, yeah, I'd love to see that. Play that at Waco ISD. I'm sure you would sign up for that. For sure, for sure. Now, it would have to be, I believe, the state semifinals. Yeah, so you're talking about some pretty serious runs there. They'd have to beat some good teams to get to that point. But but that's part of uh, making a playoff run. Yeah, I guess I guess – Maybe Grandview is standing in their way, among others. Mm-hmm. But boy, I mean, yeah. And I, I'm, I guess one and two play each other, right? Is it one versus, or is it one versus three and two versus four? Uh, talk about in the, in the bracket. In the bracket. So explain to me what you're asking. <laughs> so West is region one. Yeah. Green okay. is region two. Gotcha. So the only time they might be able to meet might be in the state championship game. Yeah, typically it's one versus two, three versus four. You're correct. So, I, I know the coaches are going to hate me getting this far ahead of, but <laughs> that, if that were to happen, just like one little element of the TV broadcast of that game, you know how they always do like, you know, this team came from here and this team came from here, you know, and and this is how far it is to uh, – to Cowboys or to AT&T Stadium. Well, in that case, it'd be like, well, uh, West and Lorraine are pretty much from the same spot, and it's like 90 miles from here. So. Yeah. Well, and that would be one, you know, we've talked about this. Obviously, we've, we've grown accustomed to uh, all the state games at one site. Um, but, you know, we've talked about it before. What would ever happen if if we had that kind of a – a matchup, you know, where we basically had two teams in our area playing for a state championship game. It would feel mm-hmm. weird not to have that at like McLean Stadium or Waco ISD right. or something like that. Right. Uh, and certainly that would be the case. 
that said, I mean, I think we've all just grown accustomed to the single site thing and, and I don't hate it. Uh, I feel like it, it's really good for fans in terms of if you want to go see multiple football games, um, it, you know, it's a great way to do that. You can just, you know, park your butt at AT&T for, for several days and see a lot of great football. Well, and it's, uh, it's become my favorite weekend or my next favorite weekend behind the first weekend of the NCAA tournament in terms of sports on TV, mm. because pretty much all day long for three days or four days, I think maybe, yeah, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, at least maybe Wednesday through Saturday, you got state championship games and, and, you know, I probably don't log as many hours watching those as that with the NCAA tournament, but it's uh, it sure is entertaining, and and that'll be back to normal this year, hopefully, because last year, of course, the five A and six A's were played in January, which is kind of uh, peculiar. But um, anyway, we're a long way from that. It's still, I mean, it's still uh, in the low nineties every day, so that's jacket weather, if not coat weather. And that still feels like a long way off, even though here we are in week four. So, yeah, put it this way. Uh, I turned my, my little desk fan off for the podcast just so that, you know, it wasn't like making noise in the background and I'm sitting here going, all right, when can we end this? So I can turn my fan. Back <laughs> I tell you, you and that, that desk fan, you, you and that desk fan have been together for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I like it cool, man. Right, right. Okay, well, we've uh, pretty much run the course of things. So all right. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the games. Yep. All right. Have a good one, America.